Hey, look who's back. Hey, hey, hey. How you doing? Oh, I'm doing all right. I've uh, finally stopped being hungover. Oh, good. Yeah, yeah, it's good. <laughs> oh, I couldn't imagine what it was like getting on the plane with that hangover. Oh, it was gnarly. And of course, this isn't just a hangover. This is a hangover with bad sleep, very little sleep, and then getting on a plane, and then getting shitty sleep. Like, it was it was advanced shitty feeling. But, you know, it's worth it. Well, I hope so. Welcome to Real Nerd Hours, a favorite slice of life podcast ostensibly about nerd shit. Yeah, yeah. It's your man's Denzel. It's your boy Chet. Uh, And this week we're talking about Fanime, Solo, a Star Wars story, and a few other things. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Next week's episode will feature a Mr. Justin Huang. Uh, So, yeah. Look forward to that. Yeah, should be good. Should be good. Yeah, yeah. Let's get let's get some of the stuff out of the way. How was Fanime? Fanime was pretty good. It was. If you're a personal friend of mine, you may be aware that a lot of our other friends who are normally there weren't. Like uh, Doctor Scientist, who we had on the show before, who shared his con tales. He couldn't make it, and he's usually like my home base for parties. So his presence was very much absent. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then some of the other folks that I also usually use as like my totems for conventions just weren't there. And so I kind of had to make do with like, I don't want to call them the B team, <laughs> but they're not the first string. <laughs> oh, geez. But of course... These are these are people I still enjoy, still people I have a lot of fun with, just not usually who I hang out with, not at these conventions. But no, it was still a great time. I enjoyed Fanime as a convention a lot. Like the area's great. There's a lot to do. There's things that go on 24 hours. So if you don't have a good time that's kind of on you, or there has to be like some extraneous circumstances, like Nikki was stuck in the room with a horrible kinker sword that was making it difficult for her to even talk. Oh, so she's like, geez. I'm not going to go wear myself down and, you know, force myself out when I can barely even speak. So I'm chilling for today. And then she did. And then she was fine. Well, yeah. good. Yeah. Uh, it was, it was a good time overall. And the reason why I was so damn hungover was because I fucking drank a lot, like let's be real. But um, basically, my mission with Fanime in particular is to ramp up as the weekend continues. Like day zero, which is when most people show up, or day one, so it's either Thursday or Friday. Not a whole lot goes on, and then usually Saturday, people try to party, but then hotels get shut down, and like people get kicked out of their rooms. So everyone's trying to be low key. And then by Sunday, everyone's like, fuck it, we're just partying. So they just take all their alcohol outside and like just do it in the fucking streets. And as long as you're not being actively belligerent, you're okay. This year, they were a little bit more, they were cracking down a little bit harder. And apparently it was zero tolerance policy. But again, as long as you know how to handle yourself, you're okay. 
So this is the year that they had said that they were actually going to have consequences if you were publicly drunk. Yeah, and apparently some people got issued some bans. That seems weird. Yeah, it, it's they had been saying like, "Yo, this is a dry con. Like, don't come here with booze. Don't come here drunk. Stop it." They'd been saying that for years, and like kind of enforcing it but this time they were like actually doing bag checks and like there were guards at the door to the lobby of like the convention center so where people would normally be drinking in the lobby now they were just drinking outside of it (laughs) oh well shit (laughs) (laughs) and like i mean i had just a a bottle of uh, cranberry juice like one of those big like liter jug things probably two liter whatever and i i just it was like already down to half i just filled it back up with various booze and mixers and that was that was what i was drinking on the whole night good good (laughs) and then as i was coming down i ran into an old drinking buddy who said hey i've got too much beer Let's go do some shotguns. And I'm like, I haven't shotgunned a single beer this weekend. Let's do it. Uh, that's because I'm the one who normally instigates that shit. Yeah, everyone who normally instigates that shit was not there. It's yeah. you. It's Buckley. It's Talbot. Yeah. None of them. None of them. Well, Talbot was there temporarily, but he didn't have a hotel room. Oh. Because he lives in the area. So he's like, I'll just drive down. Yeah, yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, but uh, it was a good time. It was a good time. You attend any panels? Hell no. I <laughs> <laughs> don't even have a shit. badge. <laughs> oh, well, fuck. I was supposed to check out a couple of panels and then just didn't, which is how it goes sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be how it is. Mm-hmm. That'd be what it do. Well, that's fair, I guess. I mean, like, I really wanted to go this year, but it just didn't end up panning out. They're really strict about my time off where I work now. Before, when I was working at Legend, I could just kind of not show up to work. (laughs) They could, like, I could have zero time off and they'd be like, yeah, you can go, whatever. (laughs) And, like, just understand you're not getting paid. I'd say, well, that's fine. Yeah. And I'll just go. (laughs) Yeah, that was cool. It was a cool time. That was like peak con time for me. All right. Well, anyway, I w- I watched uh, Solo, a Star Wars story. I have heard such mixed things on that. I haven't seen it yet myself because I didn't want to roll Solo. <laughs> and I just didn't have anyone to see it with yet. I was only home for a couple of days. And uh, there's yeah. a there's a fucking movie theater in downtown San Jose that you could have gone to see it at. Yeah, but then I'm paying to do non-con things at a con. I mean, we, we've done that before, but I mean, granted we went with like a big ass group. Yeah. We went like fucking 20 deep to the movies once. What'd you even see? I don't remember. Of course not. (laughs) (laughs) This was like two or three years ago. I want to say. No, I I know people have definitely hit up that theater. I mean, there's a couple of theaters out there actually, but like, I just didn't really care about this one that much. Like 90% of the reason I'm going to see it is just because it's another star wars movie like, oh fair enough i feel contractually obligated at this point to see all of them in theaters and just keep throwing money at them yeah and i imagine the movie's decent just 
Yeah, and uh, we're going to get into spoilers for this because I don't think too many people are that interested in watching it. Yeah, I have a feeling my feelings on the matter are kind of the majority. Okay, all right. (laughs) So I'm going to go ahead and state for the record that it's not as bad as people are making it out to be. Mm. It made $114 million in the box office, and like people are calling that a failure by Star Wars standards. I guess. Yes, but 114 million is still a shitload of money. Yeah, and it's also competing with Infinity War and Deadpool still. Yeah, like it's got a pretty stacked bracket already. Like it's not as if this is in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, so it's it's. I would say, as far as the setting goes in this movie. That it's definitely one of the best Star Wars movies. Oh, really? Yeah, because the setting is all new. Okay, like, yeah, yeah, that always helps. <laughs> yeah, like, they're not, they do show you things that you've seen before, mm-hmm. but it's new shit. It's like, oh, well, this is what life is like on these barren wasteland-ass fucking planets. Gotcha. They don't give you any context for, like, the economy or anything like that. What you could imply from the economy is, like, everybody's fucking broke. <laughs> so, like, everybody in the galaxy is fucking broke, with the exception of, like, people in the Galactic Empire or people who are constantly out in space. Sure. But it's mainly because, like, I don't know, like, it's... Everybody's living in squalor <laughs> on this planet, I guess. And then there are, like, actual slave planets and shit. Yeah. But, again, they don't really tell you why the Galactic Empire are the bad guys. Even though it's been explained to me several times on the internet, people have told me, like, the Galactic Empire, at least according to the books, which are no longer canon, uh, were involved in a a lot of really shitty trade deals Mm. with the Galactic Republic. Uh, I believe it was the Galactic Republic. Yeah, the Republic. We'll just call it that. (laughs) Yeah, the the Republic. Uh, And that's why there's like a war going on or whatever but at the same time it's like well if the republic at some point was as large as the galactic empire then where are the remnants of it like yeah i mean i i guess that's kind of what the first three uh you know episode one two and three like I think that's what it was dealing with, with all like the I am the Senate nonsense, where it's like this is the takeover where the Republic becomes the Empire. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I forgot all about that. Yeah, because it was extremely forgettable because it was so damn boring. (laughs) (laughs) Even even Star Trek manages to do politics like in an interesting way. And same with Mass Effect, actually. Mass Effect did politics really well. Well, I think part of that's because you're coming in expecting some politics and some intellectual stuff whereas star wars was so just action adventure and then episode one rolls around and it's like hey we're gonna hear have these senate hearings oh it's the queen who's also democratically elected don't ask me how that works (laughs) (laughs) well fuck Yeah, yeah i mean i going back to the setting um still pretty good so it works. It works really well. And they don't do that thing that they do in Rogue One where they point out references to every other <laughs> fucking Star Wars. Well, that's good. Yeah. Uh, the the cinematography is kind of bunk. <laughs> Everything looks a little bit dirty. There are scenes in the film 
that are just genuinely hard to see in. Oh, fun. There's like this scene at the beginning where he's talking to some like giant centipede bitch where <laughs> the room is just like dark. But okay. you can't. I mean, I, I assume it's supposed to be like that, but it looks like a day for night shot, you know? Oh, like, sure, where it's artificially darkened. Yeah, it, it's just blue in there for some reason. <laughs> and ah, man, it was real stupid. Okay. It was real stupid. <laughs> but I, I, I want to say that the comedy was pretty well done. It was, it was a funny movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know that I like that characterization of Han Solo because he's just like kind of a dumb guy rather than being like young and naive. I see. And oh, I was about to call him Childish Gambino. Yeah. Donald Glover's like impression of Lando is so stupid. I thought like him putting on the affectation was like weird and not good. Hmm. You know what I mean? That's funny. Most of what I had heard was that Lando was the best part of the movie. I mean, like in in a novel way. Okay. Because he kind of just talks like this. Oh, baby. so he's just doing Colt forty five, Billy D, huh? Uh, I mean, uh, I can't, I can't do the impression that well. No, we're just gonna, uh, we're yeah. just gonna go with Colt forty five. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he he's he speaks in a weird way throughout the fucking whole movie, gotcha. and like he's in love with some robot or something, which is actually kind of funny. <laughs> and so, oh, the big controversy about. Uh, the, the Lando being pan, pansexual, although I did find out about this through the Red Letter Media review. Huh. Uh, apparently, that was a question posed by a reporter to the writer of the movie, okay. the writer and the director, and like that, you're putting them in a position to where they can't say no to that question. Oh, so it wasn't as it. Okay, so just to catch people up. <laughs> Uh, there was some controversy about writers saying, hey, yeah, Lando is pansexual. Like, he'll just kind of fuck anything that moves, you know, whatever. And people got at them for saying, like, well, why isn't he represented as being pansexual if you're going to take the credit for him being pansexual? Like, this isn't something that's shown. And so people got, got mad at them for trying to take credit for that. Yeah. And so, in reality, what happened was, on a red carpet, some reporter fucking just asked them, what, what do you think about Lando Calrissian being pansexual or some question like that? So, it was they really just set them up? Yeah. Okay. It was a setup from the start. <laughs> okay. And then that generated a bunch of headlines and people think that Lando's pansexual now, even though there's not really a difference between that and bisexual... Maybe oh, it makes more yeah, of a difference in space or I, something. I guess that would make more of a difference in space where you're more likely to have species that have more than two genders or like none or anything in between or robots or other species. Yeah. You know, where there's much more of a <laughs> yeah, third dimension here. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It makes more sense in space with creatures. But where, where do you draw the line between bestiality and having Man. sex with an alien. <laughs> I guess consent it would be uh, yeah. the biggest. <laughs> yeah, fair a enough. Dog, a dog doesn't really know what's going on here. That's okay. abuse. But, I don't know, say uh, Brian Griffin from Family Guy. He's out there actively slaying. So, 
Still bestiality, Still though. Still definitely you're, bestiality. Yeah, you're I fucking a dog. Yeah, that's <laughs> fucking a dog, but the dog knows what's up. I, I, uh, you know what? <laughs> I'm not uh, touching this one. We'll right, get there fair. when we get there. <laughs> yeah, fair, fair. Completely fair response. Don't fuck dogs. <laughs> don't fuck dogs. Oh, boy. I don't know if I shared this story on here, but... Fuck the dog once? No. <laughs> 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 well... Well, it would be rude to call her that, but <laughs> she was ugly, but not that ugly. Whoa. Uh, one of my coworkers asked me to fix his phone once. Uh, he was having some trouble on his phone. And you know how with cell phones, you can bring up all the apps that are running. Yeah. So I bring up all the apps. Uh, and I closed the one that I was working on just so I can reopen it. And the very next thing that was there in the slider was a woman being fucked by a dog. God damn it. <laughs> on his work phone. God damn it. Yeah. So I'm I'm flicking through this shit and I'm like, uh, <laughs> this is something that I could have lived never seeing. Yeah. Ever. Yeah. And what do you know? He's got a fucking video on his work phone. That's wild. Unintended. Yeah. yeah uh, so I I opted not to snitch on him. Oh, yeah. <laughs> You're welcome, coworker who doesn't listen to this. <laughs> you motherfucker. Uh, so, that's fucking weird. Yeah, it's gross. It's gross shit. I'm kink shaming that one. Yeah. Mm, yeah. That, yeah, but, that and sapiosexuality. <laughs> Get that shit the fuck out of my face. You're sapiosexual, huh? Mm. So you put a lot of stock in IQ exams? Mm. All right, well, let's let's mm. get back to Star Wars before before I rip myself I, into a tangent. I was also about to just rip on Stephen Molyneux. Oh, what a dork. That guy's <laughs> such a dork. Oh, my God. Anyway, so uh, Solo. Yeah, so Solo, uh, I, I think... I'm starting to come around on uh, these robots with the unique personality traits. Oh. So if they do a different one in every movie, I think I can fuck with it. All right. All like, right. I think I can handle that because K2SO from the previous movie was just like a huge downer Spurg <laughs> who didn't understand social cues because he's a robot. And L3 in this one wants to fight for robot rights i believe okay uh huge huge sjw okay. in this movie and it's like if you look at it, all of those robots as a parody of those kinds of people it works out really great okay because it's very funny k2so the huge dingus <laughs> dumb robot who just never managed to say the right thing ever Great. He's, a, he's an incel. He's an incel robot. Whereas L3 is a robot getting fucked by a man or something. I don't know how that would work out, but I'm not. Know. Huh? I don't know. Oh, shit. Okay. Uh, what's the word for applying human traits to something? Uh, anthropomorphization. Yeah. Yeah. So this anthropomorphic, is it? does it count if it's a robot? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I guess you could also say like, persona now nah, that's more like like making real specific traits but that would be personification but yeah i don't know i guess humanizing a robot yeah just, be, give, just applying human we're giving human traits to this robot mm-hmm. is it was actually like the robot was super annoying mm-hmm. 
but it was annoying in like a fun way. Okay. Like it just very chatty. So like uh, it was the nav computer for for the Millennium Falcon spoilers. Gotcha. Gotcha. Uh, we're yeah. in those spoilers. <laughs> the Millennium Falcons in the movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's interesting, I guess. Okay. Because they they end up L three dies in the movie. Nah, that's spoilers. Yeah, spoiler. Uh, and they just upload it to the ship. <laughs> yeah, it was really weird. Really weird. Um, but I, I will say that a lot of the story elements felt contrived. Okay, uh, sure. Such as how Han Solo gets his name. Spoiler alert: He was by himself. So they literally say. Huh. Solo. <laughs> yeah, I mean, his name is Han. He, he goes up to the stand to sign up for the military or whatever. And they ask him what his name is. He says Han. And they say, last name? Uh, well, I don't have a family. And they say, you here with anybody? He says, no. He's like, Solo. <laughs> I'm like, ah, come on. <laughs> fucking lazy shits hey you know what <laughs> that's probably how it would have gone down anyway yeah yeah maybe maybe or he would have just made up his own last name yeah I, he would have just been like ha solo yeah what up or another contrived part is like i don't think you really needed l3 in the movie at all <laughs> you just could have had the like a sick ass nav computer on sure. the ship i don't yeah it was dumb there's no reason for that robot to be there. There were definitely a lot of parts of that movie that I really fucked with. Like when they're uh, when they're escaping Kessel. Mm. There's this whole scene with like this uh, strange Lovecraftian beast that's in space. Okay, yeah. That shit is cool. You see it partially in the trailer yeah, with the yeah. tentacles and shit. That part was really fucking cool. But it raises a lot of questions <laughs> like a lot a lot of questions i see but it was actually it was super dope and then they they feature child soldiers in this one mm. or i guess she's not really a child she's a teenager child but enough. i'm not gonna spoil that part the story is easily guessed you can kind of just like i don't know guess at the elements you can as soon as the movie starts playing <laughs> as soon as woody harrelson says in the trailer uh, rule number one, kid, is don't trust anybody. Oh, he's going like, to trust someone. Yeah. Well, look at yeah. that. Exactly. And that's going to be really important. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Exactly. It's going to turn out to be something that's critically important to the film. I like it, though. It's a small-scale movie. They're not out to save the world or anything mm-hmm. like that. They're just out on a fucking heist, which is cool. I wish Han Solo was a cooler character, and I wish um, Lando didn't talk the way that he did but i mean it's a comedy it's a, it's like a sci-fi comedy movie okay. and it works exactly as it should all and right it's pretty great as all a comedy right. <laughs> as a comedy yeah yeah the movie as a whole i would i would give it it's not no nah, it's better than bright <laughs> yeah it's it's a lot better than bright uh, <laughs> i kind of hope so with the budget yeah yeah i recommend it wholly okay Go check it out. Yeah, I'll be watching it probably in the next week, and uh, we can get more in depth into spoilers and plot points then. Yeah, you're you're not gonna miss much by not uh, 
not seeing it immediately. Yeah. But like my whole thing with sci-fi is like it just looks really, really fucking good yeah. if they can do it right. I'm not talking about like dog shit sci-fi, like <laughs> something like that movie with the deaf guy who's hunting for his girlfriend or whatever. And that movie that it's some um Netflix movie. I want to say it's called Mute. That sounds right. Uh and that movie takes place in the future for some reason, but it doesn't need to. And I just say, fuck it. Like, that movie looked like shit. There's another one with a bunch of drone-ass robots running around that looks like shit, too. There, there are a lot of movies that just look like shit that are sci-fi movies. But these large-budget, like, big-scale movies look really fucking good. Yeah. God, there's this part. You see it in the trailer, too, where... The path to, uh, or this tube, basically, this tube of clouds, and there's a shot of a Star Destroyer just sitting in the tube. Mm. And, like, the Millennium Falcon is, like, flying towards... It looks really good. It's a really good shot. (laughs) And I was just like, god damn, I love space shit. It's so cool. Yeah, it is. Yeah, but that's it. That's, That's my whole Star Wars thing. All right. So, also, this week I watched the first episode and a half of the Mob Cycle 100 live action, which is uh, new on Netflix. It says it's a Netflix original, but I don't know how true that is. I think it actually is, but again, I don't know. So, Mob Cycle 100 is a manga and anime written by One, who's also the same guy who wrote One Punch Man. It's really good. It's The anime was great. And had really cool animation. It didn't look like your typical anime. And the writing was a little typical, but just well done. And it was popular enough for them to give it a live action, I guess. And <laughs> so it was Kakegurui. Yeah, kind of. Except I feel like that works better because there's nothing really paranormal or supernatural about that. Oh, yeah, that's fair. And then Mob Psycho is all just psychic powers and pyrokinesis and just, yeah. Yeah, you're right. You're right. So, <laughs> I, I've i only watched the first episode and a half, and I'm it's not horrible, but I am very much not sold. Well, the first things that kind of threw me are just like the looks of the characters, partially because the art style is so weird in the anime that it just doesn't really, you don't really think of them as translating to human, but Reagan, his mentor looks like 20 years too old. I pictured him as being 35 tops. <laughs> he should be just like a con artist in his late 20s. That's what I'm saying. Like yeah. someone who's, you know, a bit more of a loser than he should be at that age. This dude looks straight 50 plus, And he's got like bleached hair and it doesn't look oh, great. So are the wigs real shitty in this one it, too? It just looks, it doesn't look good. Ah. Ritsu looks good. His brother, he looks fine. Okay, because he's not wearing a stupid wig. Right, because he's not like a caricature. He's just like an actual person. The bodybuilding club is not nearly big enough. And like, there's a dude that's more buff than the main guy in the bodybuilding club. I'm like, well, I'm just putting him in front. (laughs) (laughs) He's doing more lifting. What are you doing? Oh, geez. Maybe he can't act that well. Yeah, maybe. (laughs) 
Uh, yeah, it's, I have minor issues with it thus far. And like the the CG for all the psychic effects is eh, of course. It's not great. It's not the worst, but it's not great. So I'm not going to recommend it as of yet because it's not bad enough to be entertaining in its own right. Uh-huh. It's just kind of not good thus far. <laughs> so we'll see. I'm probably going to finish it. If it's bad enough that I can't finish it, I'll let you know. Okay, perfect. Yeah. <laughs> so today we're recording on Wednesday, partially because I was fucking dead from the weekend. Uh-huh, and uh-huh, I'm uh-huh. really glad that we are uh-huh, because uh-huh. so much shit went down on Tuesday. <laughs> yeah, 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 definitely. I, I think the 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 first thing I want to bring up is if you're not into hip hop, you may not be aware, but Pusha T just ended Drake's life. <laughs> <laughs> the coldest diss track on the fucking planet. Oh, let me preface that. I need to qualify that. Excuse me. Uh, hardest diss track released at least in the last like seven years. Yeah, definitely. Like I've I've listened to almost all of the diss tracks that have made headlines. In the last few years, and all of them, I'm like, okay, that's that's kind yeah, of whatever. No, soft. Pusha just went in. Yes, <laughs> he just like, yo, you have a son. <laughs> Why aren't you being a father to him, Drake? Why aren't Come- you taking care of your son, Drake? Huh? I like this. This was a secret. This no one knew about this. A man put out pulled out a picture from when he was in like middle school. A Drake wearing blackface. Put that yep. as the album cover. Uh, 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 oh. That was really fucking good. Oh. That was really good. This is a rap beef is like America's number one export. Oh, it's great. As it's happening. It's super rare, too. Yeah. God damn. We haven't seen beef like this in a while. No, we haven't. He went super personal. I want to say that uh, it was like a, disreport- a disproportionate response from Pusha yeah, to definitely. Drake, but I was so amped when it happened. Oh, it was great because Drake's diss was like kind of on Pusha, but more on Kanye. Yeah, and then Pusha's like, "Now nah, fuck you." <laughs> he dissed Kanye. He dissed his brother. He dissed where uh, he brought up his fiance. Yeah, but God damn, dog, Pusha brought up his mom, his dad. <laughs> His producer, yeah. his ghostwriter, his secret family in Mississauga. <laughs> <laughs> he brought up everybody. Oh, it was man. really good. Like someone put it as Drake released a diss track and Pusha did investigative reporting. <laughs> <laughs> he went to Nardwar. Yeah. <laughs> Nardwar. Doot God, doot loot doot. God fucking love Nardwar. He's yeah. great. <laughs> yeah, he's real uh he's he's a real interesting fellow. I wonder if anybody's ever done in-depth research into Nardwar. That's a great question. Yeah, yeah someone had to have... Nardwar, Nardwar? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck. Yeah. I, I really want to know what Drake's going to do. Because some people are saying, like, dude, there's no way you can come back as hard. No, he's not going to be able to respond to that. Yeah, and I- Drake's got an album coming out soon. And has a lot more to lose. He's not. I mean, he's so one of two things is going to happen. He's going to either a respond with something mild or B. He's not going to respond at all. I think B is 
that, very much more likely. That seems more likely to me. Because, like, what does he have to gain at this point by responding? Right. Like, yeah, Pusha is still a pretty fairly household name, but not nearly to the level of Drake. No, he put out an album with seven tracks on it. That's a total of 15 minutes long. <laughs> it's all about cocaine and it's <laughs> fucking fantastic. Staying on brand. And you know what? This is a reminder as to why like people actually like Kanye. It's because he's not talking on the fucking album. He did all the beats for the album, I'm pretty sure. That's right, yeah. And they are fucking immaculate beats. I actually need to, I need to listen to that album. I've heard good things. Yeah, it's it's quite good, especially if you're a fan of people talking about cocaine. That's what I've come to expect out of the Pusha T brand. Yes, it's, it's exactly what you should expect. And it's very good. All right. Yeah. Pump that shit. Yeah. So the other news that broke last night was uh, Roseanne fired off a wild tweet and then just got instantly canceled. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. I mean, look, this is how I put it on Twitter. And this is I'm pretty sure this is the case. They've been looking for a way to get rid of Roseanne for a fucking minute. And they finally found their out, right? They couldn't fire her based off of, like, the pictures she took as a Nazi or whatever. They They, signed her after that anyway. Yeah, exactly. They signed her after she said a bunch of anti-Semitic shit about... They signed her, I believe, after she went after George Soros for some reason. That sounds... Yeah, she was, like, real involved with Pizzagate and stuff. Yeah. I think she had, like, some birther talk and... Yeah. She's been wiling for a bit. (laughs) So, I mean, it's it's only natural that after the backlash they got from bringing her on yeah. that they would try to like, oh, shit, uh, maybe we shouldn't have done this. Let's push it under the rug. I feel like, so to, to give a little bit more perspective here, if they had just canceled, like if ABC just straight up like, okay, you know what? We don't want to host this anymore. I mean, she was making a shitload of money for the network. But if they had just canceled, she would have just been picked up by another network. It would have been another Brooklyn Nine-Nine kind of situation. Yeah, I guess. Like, Fox probably would have picked her up. Because they, they can embrace the more conservative spin. But with what happened was, it wasn't that ABC canceled her instantly. First, Wanda Sykes quit. And oh. she's a major character. And she's also a producer on the show. Oh. And then after Wanda quit, other producers quit. And writers quit, and then ABC canceled it. Oh, so it wasn't even like ABC actually canceled it. Exactly. They didn't have a choice. Oh. They just lost all their fucking staff. Yeah. So people were giving credit to ABC, both positive and negative. Some were saying, oh, what a great response. Others were saying, oh, you fucking cucks, you know, whatever. They didn't have a choice. They lost major staff, major cast members. There was no way the show was not getting canceled at this point. And that also means it can't get picked back up. Yes, correct. Not with, not how it is. She might just get some other new show. I mean, but (laughs) on what? Like, there's no like conservative version. Oh, there's Bit Shoot, conservative (laughs) version of fucking YouTube or Netflix out there. NRA TV. (laughs) That's the funniest part of of this shit. Is like you see the same people. Who are out there shitting on NFL players saying, how how could ABC fire her for a joke? Yeah. I don't get it. How could they fire her for a joke? 
oh, this is so weird. She, they're infringing on her free speech. Mm-hmm. And it's mm-hmm. like, eh, suck a fat old dick, you <laughs> buster. You don't believe in free speech. Yeah. These, uh, these motherfuckers, oh, uh, God. They don't believe in free speech it. when it's convenient for them. Yeah, when it's somebody they agree with. Yeah. But not not for the NFL players. No, 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 no. no, no. The, the, I've been looking for the arguments. And what they're saying is that's on company time that they're kneeling on the field. And then that was Roseanne on her own time. Now, fuck that. You represent a brand that you're on company time at all times. Like you can get fired for saying shit on Facebook regardless of where you work. Yeah, that's true. I mean it's if you're salaried technically all the time is company time and i mean even those same cats who are fucking supporting james demore's dumb ass aren't even coming out to support the nfl players well they asked him to put out his manifesto no 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 (laughs) they probably asked him what his opinion was yeah right and he didn't phrase his opinion delicately enough and that's how you get fucking fired yeah and it's like well sucks to be him in the same way that it sucks to be the nfl players and it sucks to be colin kaepernick and it sucks to be eric reed but you know what i hope that eric reed and uh colin kaepernick sue the fucking pants off the nfl and i hope they shut down that fucking organization because fuck the nfl fuck the nfl yeah boy who's uh the warriors coach steve kerr that's what i thought yeah he had a good statement on fuck the NFL, <laughs> but like the NBA as I mean, I don't know what makes them so much more progressive of an organization. <laughs> well, I was about to say because of all the black people, but yeah, the NFL, the NFL just, too. <laughs> yeah. It's probably a combination of like the people in the organization. And so, all right, here, here's a theory. Here's a theory. The it's mostly youth that are in the league, right? In mm. basically in all sports, sure, but yeah. it's mostly young people, yeah, yeah. and it attracts more young people because it allows people to express themselves in a way that isn't allowed in the NFL. Like you can have more flair, more style. The sneakers you wear, like Jordan brand, is built off of the back of basketball oh, and yeah, young definitely. people. So same with like sneaker shopping. Mm-hmm. It's mostly built off the backs of young people. And like you, although you don't necessarily have to be into sneakers to be into the NBA, it definitely helps, I'd say. Mm. And because of like the fashion element because the cats who are walking into the games can dress like in specific ways or whatever, show off their fashion or whatever. And like the personalities are, you're allowed to be more of a personality and there are more personalities in the NBA versus the NFL. That's for sure. Like I would say it's a combination of all those things. Yeah. Yeah. That certainly, certainly would help. And I, I, I know the viewership demographic is very different, but like the player base is still pretty similar where it's like, yo, 70% of your players are black. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, there's just a level of flair that's allowed in the NBA. Yeah, I know know the NFL has always been like very strict on fucking everything. So, oh well, fuck them. Yeah, agreed. All right, let's get into questions from the subreddit, reddit.com slash r slash real nerd hours. 
Yeah. First question I got, I'm going to read from a DM from Space Monkey. He asks, what's the status of the San Diego fighting game community, if any? The San Diego fighting game community is kind of in a state of flux. I'd say kind of because now that Dragon Ball's out, Street Fighter V's been popping for a bit, Marvel is basically dead. It's kind of shaken, shaken out. On Fridays, there's TTF in, down in Paradise Hills, which is way south, which is mostly Street Fighter and Tekken, but there's also a pretty decent anime game showing there. There's Marvel on Mondays and every other Thursday. I think both of those are in North County. There's, there's stuff going on here and there. There's also occasionally tournaments hosted by Fanboy Gaming, in Fashion Valley on Fridays, but it's kind of irregular what their schedule is. And then there's other like small croppings of whatever your game is. Like I know Smash, they're on a completely different schedule. They're basically a separate community. And yeah, there it's still around if you want to participate. It's not as big as we were when Marvel 3 was popping up, but we're still around. We're still strong. I'd say we're more focused on our top players now than we used to be. It's kind of weird. I think it's because Pinoy and Run It Black and a couple of other Tekken players have been doing pretty well. And, and things have gotten a little more Hollywood. Because I, we have a few sponsored players down here. But yeah, we're still we're still going. And we have some strong players representing San Diego that... A lot of people don't realize they're from down here. Like, oh God, I always forget his handle. His name's Hayden. But I don't remember his handle. But he went to a tournament in Australia and ended up winning their Blaze Blue tournament and doing Holy really well shit. in their Dragon Ball tournament. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so okay. good for him. But we have we have hitters out here just you know, they're not always getting the same recognition. So if you're in the area, if you want to come out to casuals check out some tournaments they're around let me know what your game is let me know what your availability is and i'll let you know all right cool xx the x janitor xx asks speaking of westworld and future world is there an old movie series that you guys love that everyone seemed to have forgotten like inglorious bastards or death race it cringes me it feels like someone not knowing there was a Ghostbusters in the 80s before the recent one. To be fair, we can't know every movie out there. Uh, there are a handful of like really shitty old horror movies that I've been told about uh, that I've watched recently. I really like Life Force. It's about intergalactic space vampires. <laughs> and that it's it looks fucking crazy. <laughs> it's it's insane. Uh, that and like old Sylvester Stallone movies. Oh yeah, like Cobra. That movie's fucking insane. Uh, old Schwarzenegger movies. Yeah, Total Recall, Predator. Predator's my shit. Predator's great. Yeah, it's probably one of the one of the best action movies ever made ever. And yeah, like it did so much for the dumb action movie genre. Like it's so iconic, and there's a reason behind that. Like, it's a fun movie, but it's also just 
very well done at all points. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I I'm I'm gonna mirror a lot of that sentiment where like the old like Wesley Snipes movies, like people oh, forgot shit. Wesley Drop Snipes. Zone. Yeah. Drop Zone. <laughs> I fucking love that movie. Uh, but I'm also gonna go with like Jackie Chan, Bruce Lee, like when they were in their heyday, even Jet Li, when they were in their heyday, those were some serious movies. And people know about these actors, but they haven't watched the movies. I think especially Jet Li in America has kind of gotten like forgotten about. And uh, yeah, no, those really, I watched all that shit when I was a kid. So I was all about it. And uh, yeah, you don't really see that so much. Fair enough. Not no more. Samurai Jack, the face ripper, submitted a tale that is a bit long, so I'm not going to bother with reading it, but it plays into our talk about military from the last episode and how, you know, sometimes you encounter some dickheads. But, uh, yeah, go check it out on the subreddit under the episode 74 questions and comments thread. It's a good tale. And, uh. Yeah, thank you for submitting that that story. Subsonic Sparkle also comes with us with a long one, but this is more information and correction. So, they say, Well, it looks like no one's going to tell you this, so I'll go ahead. You guys were wrong in episode 71 about the Genesis and Super Nintendo. You actually got the data backwards. The SNES outranks the Genesis specs in almost every way, likely on account of coming out two years later. The Super Nintendo can scale sprites, render polygons, do all that Mode 7 stuff, and had a color palette that exceeded Genesis by nearly 500 times. For real. The one thing the Genesis had over it spec-wise was a much faster processor and blast processing, which helped regulate fast scrolling in Sonic and all those sprites on screen in Musha. That explains all the stuttering in Gradius and the general lack of shooters on the SNES. But yeah, Super Nintendo was generally the much more capable system tech-wise. Stuff like Super Mario Kart, F-Zero, Yoshi's Island, Donkey Kong Country, and Axelay would have been absolutely impossible on Genesis. But Sega's much faster processor probably ensured that Gunstar Heroes, Contra Hardcore, and Thunder Force would have been horribly gimped on the SNES. Most third-party games tended to fare better on Super Nintendo. For the record, I love their libraries pretty much equally. Good info. I had no idea, and I didn't even consider the release dates of the consoles. Yeah, me neither. (laughs) (laughs) I just thought about things like Vector Man or Sonic, like that really took advantage of that blast processing and just thought, oh, this is a stronger system. But no, that that makes total sense. Yeah, I just don't know shit. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) He then also finishes with, I guess I should actually ask a question and not just mansplain. What's one thing you think games of the present can learn from games of the past, be it marketing, concepts, or design philosophy? Well, we don't want any of that past marketing with the fucking heavy attitude shit. Oh, man. Those edgy ads from, like, the Game Boy era? Mm. (laughs) It may as well have been a grown fucking man telling a kid to smoke cigarettes. Oh, dude. He's wearing fucking sunglasses (laughs) and sad. What's up, kid? You ever seen something like this? Whoa! This thing can render 16 colors. What? Whoa! Yeah, it was great. It was a good time in marketing. 
I, I don't know. I kind of want that to come back, but not a, like not like as the norm. I just want there to be at least one game that does that dumb shit marketing again. That would be fun. Uh, they tried that, I believe, with Radical Heights, the Boss Key Games uh, ooh, Battle Royale game. Ah. After or before Boss Key closed, ah. they tried to get in on the uh, get in on, on the, the Battle Royale. Yeah. Okay. And they failed. Clearly. Uh, I also did not catch wind of these ads, so they also didn't do a very good job of marketing it. No, they didn't. (laughs) Okay, well, better luck next time, guys. Uh, But when it comes to what I want people to take away from design philosophy is gameplay above everything. And that it's, of course, this is a bit of uh, survivor's bias, where... When I think about old games, I think of the games that really stuck with me that were very good, which were very gameplay forward. And the graphics were actually cutting edge for the time, but for me, that was always like secondary. If the game played well, controlled well, it's a good game. And you see this more from indie devs rather than AAA developers, where you get things like intense difficulty but tight controls so that you're not fighting against bad camera angles or you know missed inputs because the game is trying to render too much and you just lags out a little bit you get that more from the smaller devs because they're not going to be pushing the edge of your systems anyway it's going to be a lot more 2d stuff and a lot more you know sprite based work which is now a breeze for modern computers or PS4 or whatever. So, yeah, just more stuff like that, more stuff like Cuphead, you know. Yeah. I, I'm with that. I I couldn't tell you, uh, honestly. Um, I don't know much about game design or design philosophy. Sure. I could, I could say a bunch of stuff. One thing that I want is, like, I want RPGs to come back, but with less grinding. Mm, yes. Make more, I guess, impactful encounters. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, lessen the amount of encounters I need to level up, mm-hmm. but make them mean something. It's funny, because, like, those games still exist. They just aren't being made for consoles or, like being brought to pc it's mostly handhelds that are getting stuff like that like bravely default kind of fits that description perfectly but it was on 3ds so yeah i'm not buying a 3ds play boy yep boy (laughs) and for me like when i'm playing something on console if i've purchased a game on a home system i'm going to be more invested in it than if i'm playing it handheld because that's where like oh i'm sitting around at work oh i'm at the dmv and like i don't carry headphones with me so i'm gonna have the sound off i'm gonna be paying attention to other shit because i'm usually doing other shit so i just don't get nearly as invested with handheld games i often just don't finish them so if that was released on a console i would actually enjoy it much more fair enough yep i prefer if it were released on pc Anything, any, any and every game needs to be released on PC. It's getting to be to that point, and I agree with that. Yeah. Like, I don't give a fuck about your console exclusive, Playboy. You want to make money? Put that shit on PC. Yeah. 
And they might complain about piracy, but dog, look. You got to do what you got to do. The last game I pirated was only because it was a 15-year-old game that they were still asking for like $35 for it on Steam. I'm like, I am not paying full price for a game that I beat 10 years ago. Fair enough. Like, I did no. Not happening, and so I didn't, and I probably won't finish it, but hey. <laughs> wouldn't have been worth that money to begin with. Yeah, fuck them. Rella Rella asks, what do you guys think of race relations in fantasy fiction? I'm talking about fairy lives don't matter kind of shit. Obvious abstractations to real life. David Cage's Detroit Beyond Human, I think it's become human, but whatever, is making me wish no fiction ever touches this shit it's it's rarely handled well it's it's always too heavy-handed like you can make a race an allegory for black people in america asians in america you can make that kind of thing but every time it's brought up it's so beaten over your head that there's no subtlety to it like race relations in america as you may have noticed are a little complex very much so (laughs) it's not really easy to approach these things from a writer's standpoint because you have to have someone you have to have a team of people who have been on multiple sides of this stuff like being of mixed descent my experience in Southern California is going to be different than someone who's out here dark skinned or who's from Africa or who's Asian or grew up in a poorer neighborhood than I did in the same city. Like where you are, how you look, how much money you make or your family makes that affects so much. And that's never the kind of shades of gray that we get in writing. It's always like, oh, these people are inferior. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, that's real shit. There's there's a lack of nuance that it would take. It, it, w- it would just take too long to set up some yeah. of these things. Like, you can't, I mean, you could, but if David Cage were to be like, okay, these are the cheaper androids versus the more expensive androids, right? Like, some shit like that. Or, eh, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Apparently, uh, ooh, what was that game? The furry game did a really good job of covering this. There's a furry game? Yeah. <laughs> uh, it was made by one dude. And it was like a 2D platformer. And it covered like the idea of genocide really well. Huh. Dust and Elysian Tale. And it was, apparently it does a really good job talking about genocide and all sorts of stuff. And like kind of race relations type shit. Okay. But they do it with like anthropomorphic animals where it would be technically considered furry shit. Sure. With the exception of the lizards. You can't be a furry lizard. Uh, I think those are called scalies. Scalies. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. All right, dad. (laughs) Um, I'm serious about that one. (laughs) Oh, shit. That's a thing. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. I mean, that's that's basically what it is. Uh, It's just such nuance to it that it's basically going to be impossible to capture accurately in any sort of fictional setting yeah but yeah i'm i'm pretty with you on that if this is how they're going to handle it in fiction if this is how they're going to handle race relations in fiction 
just don't do it again. <laughs> it's just, it just doesn't work. It's just two stops. I mean, if I had to guess, uh, this game, oh, this game was probably written by people who come from a background of privilege, maybe wealthier people, uh, people who had the leisure to be able to pursue writing uh, in video games, especially. <laughs> yeah. Uh, some people who are like very well off uh, probably wrote this game. Yeah, if I had good to chance guess, of that. very and good like, chance of that. They're probably not American. Um, so decent chance of that. Let's see, David Cage. Yeah. Uh, where is he from? Oh, he's French. Well, good start. Uh, his yeah, he's fucking French. And if that game was developed in France, and like. <laughs> no yeah, way you, they would get this fucking yeah, right. What are you doing trying to make an allegory for American race relationships as a Frenchman? As. Yeah. <laughs> I, eh. he, he didn't know what he was getting into. Yeah. Sucks to be that guy. Yep. Whatever. Whatever. Don't do it again, Cage. Yeah. Samurai Jack the Face Ripper comes at us also with, what's your favorite dinosaur? As a creationist, I don't believe that dinosaurs ever <laughs> existed. Uh, my favorite dinosaur is chicken because it is delicious. <laughs> no, but if you're thinking of big scary dinosaurs, I like the Allosaurus. It's like the Tyrannosaurus, but a little cooler. I don't know what to believe anymore. Mm. Dinosaurs had fur. They didn't have fur. They had feathers. They didn't have feathers. They had scales. They didn't have scales. Which which one is it, Steven Spielberg? Hmm. 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 I also like Littlefoot. <laughs> I fucking hated all those movies. I, I as a little kid, I really enjoyed them. Spike was my favorite. <laughs> The one that just didn't talk. Yeah. The one that would say one word every movie. Yeah. Like his fucking silent Bob. Yeah. That was me as a kid, basically. Mm. I would I was much more talkative, but I would just eat all the time. Huh. It was great. I I just I just felt a connection with him. Sure. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> so Emilio asks in the Facebook group, Facebook.com slash group slash real nerd hours podcast. What's the most random sequence of events that led you to one of your favorite pieces of media or art? I get a kick out of hearing these kinds of stories in this day and age where algorithms play such a huge role in shaping someone's taste. I found my favorite band by watching a three-minute highlight video of the 2007 Utah Jazz. Probably the last organization I would associate with punk rock. Or jazz. I know, right? (laughs) Utah. Uh, yeah, I, in, in the Facebook group, I give an answer about how I found A Night in Tunisia by Chaka Khan by watching a Dota stream. Uh, but in Hollywood 20, Hollywood, on Halloween 2013, I was extremely drunk and Actually, I guess I should preface this. I should go go even further back. So in 2009, I was dating this girl, and we were out at the mall, and she was trying on some clothes, and I heard a song that I couldn't make out the words because it was too quiet because we were out in the mall, but I heard the bass line, and it was like a, a techno-y bass line, and I'm like, this is fucking tight, and I need to find this song. 
but this was long before I had a smartphone, before Shazam existed as far as I know. So I had no real way of identifying the song and it had already switched before I was like, oh, let me just go ask someone, see if they know. So I go home and I'm just like scouring through YouTube of like, okay, top techno songs of 2009 or you know, whatever. I couldn't find anything. So I gave up my search and, uh, you know, I had always remembered the baseline. Like I sang it to a couple of like real big, like dance hall before EDM was EDM kind of folk. And no one knew what the song was. I'm like, fuck it. I'll never find it. And Halloween 2013, I'm at this party and I am drunk as fuck. Like we were just destroyed. And I was outside and I'm walking past the door into the house where the music's playing. And I catch this, the faintest, faintest glimmer of that bass line. I'm like, wait a minute. I'm in the middle of a conversation and I just stop and I just run inside and there was a DJ there, but he wasn't at the booth. And I'm like, no, fuck, where is he? Oh, boy. And I run back outside and I find him like, what was that song? And he's like, what What song? The song that was just playing. Uh, can you sing it for me? And I sang on the bass line. He's like, oh, let's put your hands up for Detroit by Fetty Legrand. And I'm like, oh, thank you. Put your hands up. Put your hands up. Put, Put your hands, hands up for Detroit. I we'll love the city. city. Yeah. So, uh, I, I mean, if we were talking back then and you had brought that up to me, I could have told you what that was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, there was, there was a guy that I used to work with at Kinko's and before I, I used to work graveyard Yeah. and before I would leave, uh, we would always put on the same Pandora playlist, mm. and it was um, what was it? Uh, Depeche Mode, Sound of Silence remix. <laughs> uh, but I can't remember who the remix was by. But it was basically just a trans version of that song. Okay, and that was one of the songs that would appear on that playlist. All right, because you know how Pandora, their algorithm was too stupid to actually keep it on the same type of music for too long. Yeah, it would just branch out into other yeah. shit eventually. Yeah. yeah, and if you kept it on for like two hours or more, it would just start playing a different genre altogether. Yeah, it was wild, especially if you weren't like actively pulling it back to where you want it to do like by really heavily doing the thumbs up thumbs down it would just go off in one direction and then would just keep going until it like circles around and now you're just in country and say how did how did we get here yeah exactly (laughs) exactly that's how i found a lot of uh the harder house music that i used to listen to i used to like fuck around with djing there are a few DJ sets that I did yeah. just through Ableton, like just clicking and dragging tracks or whatever. Cool. Uh, but that's that's how I got into it because I was listening to so much fucking EDM. And this was like right around when it was starting to be called EDM in yeah. like 2009, 2010. Yeah. But like there was a period in time when I just had all of those songs on a playlist. It was, I really enjoyed a lot of that stuff. And there was a brief moment in like, Ooh, 2014, 2015, where that was like 
the hotness and I was just, I was about it. And then everyone's like, oh, it's overplayed. It all sounds the same. I'm like, no, keep going, please. <laughs> I mean, the thing is, the thing that I found out about EDM is like, yeah, most of it sounds the same until you get to like the core portions of the songs. Yeah. Like there's, fuck, um, what's his name? Dead Mouse puts out a lot of music that sounds identical yeah but once you get to certain parts of the song that's where you cut it in on mixes right Mm -hmm. so there's probably like a good 20 seconds of unique music and a lot of deadpool (laughs) dead dead mouse's songs and what you do is like you line it up on the four four so then what you do is you turn it down turn down the highs turn down the mids and then you've got just the fucking ramming yeah fucking bass and then you take your crossfader and go over to the other song as the bass is playing because fuck knows why uh every edm song is on a four four. Oh yeah so, and it's like all very similar tempos it's all like 130 yeah it's 120 i think i want to say 127 to 135 yeah is the popular range that is the sweet spot for edm dancing because it's a little bit faster than a lot of like older dance styles which were more like 110 to 120 and you know because we're hopped up on drugs got to get it a little bit faster yeah so you you get songs in the that range because what ends up happening is you can on specific turntable style sets if you're using like a serato or something you can change the tempo of the song to bend it to be within those ranges yeah i remember in like the mid 2000s or late 2000s early 10s i want to say mm-hmm. people were complaining about edm dj's because like it sounded like they were just playing pre-recorded mixes all the time. <laughs> and that's a fair complaint because it kind of just sounds like they are. Yeah. Because, like, what they do is just so simplistic. Yeah. And, like, yeah, there's there's psychology to building it up and, like, slipping in songs if you're losing the crowd or whatever. Mm-hmm. Giving the crowd rest breaks so they're not constantly ramping up the entire yeah, time. Yeah. Like, there's, there's psychology to it, but it's really not all that difficult. And it's, I want to say, this that might be a hot take. I don't think DJing is hard. No. Well, there's, there's definitely levels to the shit now if you're standing around fucking scratching on turntables and shit that's that's different that's not even what we call djing anymore no what you're doing essentially is you're taking cds with songs on them and you're arranging a live playlist yeah now all you need to do really to become a really good dj is to learn the psychology of it yeah and like learn what songs go well together. And if you really listen to a lot of music like I used to, you can find really old fucking tracks yeah. that go on top of new ones and you can speed them up to ridiculous speeds <laughs> and people won't even give a shit. It's like um, Martin Garrix's Animal goes really well with Enya. Uh, who can say when the wind blows? But like almost any EDM song will go well with it right. because like that song by Enya is essentially vocals that are timed on a four four. Yeah, yeah. So you, if you can find tracks like that where you can essentially isolate the vocals and not have to really worry about anything, like you can you can put together a pretty decent DJ set. Yeah, yeah. I mean. 
a lot of a lot of what goes into it is just stage presence nowadays where it's like if you can throw on you know a tank top a hat and some sunglasses and jump around a lot and like look like you're really having a good time people are into it yeah so (laughs) do your thing and of course not to disrespect any aspiring djs out there but i don't i can't really say it's the most difficult job i've done it I have never practiced it, but I've done it. Dog, the introduction <laughs> of queuing and beat matching has changed everything. Oh, yeah. Oh, Are you fucking yeah. kidding me? You don't even have to listen to it to beat match it. Yeah, you can just like pull it from a list of like, yo, these songs are in this range. Yep. And then just, there you go. You can queue it, hit the button, and then make it go. Make it go. <sighs> yeah, it's crazy. I used to um, I used to do a little bit of internet DJing. I, there was like a fake radio station that somebody had set up and I was just fucking putting on super obscure music all the time. It's the thing to do. Yeah. It was, I, that's, that's when I did most of my streaming, mm-hmm. uh, when I was doing like the fake DJ shit that I was doing in like Oh seven Oh eight. Gotcha. Because I would upload the stream, the audio stream, and then also the video. And it was a fucking complex setup. I believe it. That was before they simplified all that stuff. Yeah. So that does it from for questions yes. for this week. Uh, thanks everybody for writing in. Uh, we'll get to voicemails next week. I keep forgetting to <laughs> go into that. Um, oh, we've got a new release on the Patreon this week. Uh, part two of the Red Pill shit that yes. uh, I we Chet and I spoke about. First time it was Charles and I. Now it's Chet and I. And yeah, we're. We're talking more about that shit. Yeah. Um, after that, who? Oh, I'm getting back together with Charles, and we're gonna do more of the Invincible thing. So that's gonna be up probably next week, mid next week, something like that, somewhere around there. All right. I don't know. One of those days. We'll see. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there's an update going up on Friday, so keep your eyes peeled for that if you're if you're wondering what's going on with the Patreon shit. Um, yeah, man. Thanks, everybody, for listening to this week's edition of Real Nerd Hours. You can follow the show on Twitter at XRealNerdHours. You can follow me on Twitter at ThatDenzel. You can follow Chet on Twitter at... BushidoBrownSD. Excellent. You can join us on the subreddit at reddit.com slash r slash real nerd hours. You can like the show on Facebook at facebook.com slash real nerd hours podcast. You can join us on the Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash real nerd hours podcast. And finally, you can support the show on Patreon at patreon.com slash real nerd hours. Thanks everybody for listening, and we'll see you next Thursday. Have a good night.